Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to yet another edition of Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your hosts this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski. And I'm your other host, Pamela Bentley. And we're very happy and lucky to have in studio as our guest today, George Stanley. Hi, George. Hi. So nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. And uh, let's get you to start things off. You've got something from your brand new book, so uh, let's... Okay, I'll read the first poem in my new uh, selected poems. The title of the book is uh, North of California Street. A poem is called Icarus, after the Greek myth, and it actually begins with the first line of Dante's Divine Comedy. In Dante, it goes, In the middle of my life I found myself in a dark forest. (laughs) Icarus. In the middle of my life I found myself on a plane from Denver to San Francisco. Sweaty and shaking from last night's whiskey in aerodynamics, I was losing my faith. (laughs) But the guy in the next seat took time to explain jet flight, and he blew on a stiff piece of paper to show how the wing worked, but it fell to the floor. (laughs) And I thought, I won't see California again. We'll crash in the superstition (laughs) mountains instead. Drank scotch, sweated more, and prayed to the engines while he wrote equations on a yellow pad. They said, weightless drop is the price of survival. Then the plane banked, the western horizon steepened, and I passed the crest of the mortal. Nice. Oh, I've got creaking. Um, that's a great way to start. Seat. So that's from uh, Collected Works. Your, that's your new book coming this out. This is the, uh, yeah, it's the Selected Poems. Oh, okay, Selected Poems. Uh, 1975 to 1999, so it's the, it's the, the mid-career. In other mm. words, my early juvenilia aren't in here, and neither are my poems that I've written in the last decade or so. So where, when's that one from, of what part of that timeline? This book here. The one no, you that just poem read. You just oh, this read. is from, uh, I was trying to think when I was in Denver. Uh, which book is it from originally? Anyway, it's around, let's say, 1990. Okay. Yeah, that's really... So did you, as you're, as you're flying in there, did you, if you decided that you're not going to make it, did you just decide to <laughs> start going more into the scotch, or was it... Well, uh, I've, I've gotten over drinking on planes, especially, okay. especially traveling west. It's okay, I think, to tra- when you're drinking to go fly to London, that's okay. <laughs> but not to San Francisco or Vancouver. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's jet lag, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, jet lag is it's one thing going, going east, and it's a different thing going west. It's something 
Well, it's like the, the, uh, I've heard that it's like the rest of you catching up with your body is what jet lag is. It's like the rest of we're not meant right. to really move that fast across the earth. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So this is um, the poems that would be before Vancouver, the poem, and before That's right. your last years after Desire. That's right. Yes. And so, have they been out of print, or is there a reason that you're doing? A They're all concert? they were all out of print. That's the reason why Rolf Maurer, my publisher, decided that we, we, that to uh, publish this book because all the poems in this book are in books that are now out of print. I can't wait to read it because I haven't read your early work. I've only read the Vancouver, uh, the earlier work, and uh -huh. after Desire. And as I was saying before we went on air, I really. Um, I'm finding that I'm getting to the point in my life where I can really relate to the, what you've written in After Desire. And I've heard you read one uh, at, a, at a reading, at, a, at an event as well, yes. and was really struck by it, which is why I went and got, found the book. So well, maybe I should read one from After Desire. Maybe you should. <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe uh, you could. <laughs> so I read the first poem in this book, too. Okay. This is called Beauty. At a sushi joint I went to infrequently, there was a waiter I called Beauty. <laughs> I was tickled by his dark eyes and his hip-length black apron. I thought his dad must have been Russian, he was so tall. <laughs> he only ever served me once. When I'd pass by the restaurant, I'd always look in to see if Beauty was there. There was another waiter looked like Beauty. Sometimes, at first, I'd think he was Beauty, but then he'd come toward the window, showing some customers to a table, and I could see it wasn't Beauty. <coughs> Sometimes I couldn't tell right away because of the reflections of cars in the window, and I was afraid if I peered in too intently, Beauty would see me and know. One night I took Beauty home. Took? His long legs loped up the stone steps ahead of me. I unlocked the door to my apartment and followed him in. But when we were face to face, I didn't know what to do with him. I didn't want to hurt him. I didn't want him to take me in his arms. So I let him vanish. I let him go. I let him go back to his body. I let him escape the violent eye that fastens on beauty to possess or destroy. Mm. Sweet. Beauty is elusive. Yeah. It comes in many forms and is elusive. Right. Uh, nice. And that's from After Desire. That's from After Desire. That's the first poem in um, After Desire contains this uh, serial poem. And Beauty is the first poem in that serial poem. I think there are 12 poems. And then it also okay. contains a number of unrelated poems. And are they all about uh, beauty then? Or does, is beauty a recurring character? Or They're all in a way about desire. Okay. About, about what happens after desire. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, after what happens after desire is a greater appreciation of beauty. That, that, that's a kind of a summary of what some of the poems say. Oh, okay. So you mean an after desire in terms of a lifetime, or do you mean in terms of a of a, uh, an exchange between two people? Well, I should give you the uh, actual uh, context. Uh, mm -hmm. In nineteen, not nineteen. I was still saying nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> in twenty, 
06, uh, I had radical prostatectomy. So it was a question of of desire being removed from me. Uh-huh. So, so of course, anything as serious as that is becomes for a poet becomes an inspiration. Right, right. What am I going to write about this? <laughs> right. You know, like coming to Canada. What what was I going to? Any anything that happens in in my life, I think this is true of many poets, immediately sets up the question: What are you going to write about it? Right. So. Yeah, and I know that um, you mentioned something before we went on air, and I think it comes up quite often in Vancouver, um, a poem, that you try to write about the ordinary. It's like you're trying not to elevate poetry out of the ordinary. It's like some of yes. some of Vancouver, a poem, is just kind of recording what happens on your bus rides. Yes, yes, I, I, I think that's true. I think that the ordinary is very important to me. And that's so that's consciously that you write about that in your poetry. I think so, yeah. Because you had said something about poetry being accessible and that that was... Yeah, well, uh, I, tr- I, I invented a school of poetry called Aboutism. Aboutism. <laughs> yes, and uh, it, it was in reaction to the poetry of the 1970s and 80s, with uh, the, the more uh, trendy poetry, um, largely coming out of, of the eastern United States, uh, was a co- what was called ra- language poetry, which was poetry that was all about language. Mm-hmm. So it didn't necessarily make any sense. It, it didn't didn't even attempt to make any sense about the world. Right. Uh, so I my 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 aim was to uh, when I what I meant by about by aboutism was that a poem should be about something. So you would be able to answer that question: What is this poem about? Yeah, and then. Over the past 10 or 15 years, I'm not quite sure when this happened. Well, I traveled to Moscow once in 1991, I think, and that got me interested in, in, in Russian poetry, and I've begun reading the poetry of the Russian poet Anna Akhmatova and other poets of her group, which, they, which were called the Acmeists. And one of their uh, themes, or, or rather, rather theoretical ideas, was representational clarity, or referen- referential clarity. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what I mean too. I, I like, I, I aim at writing a poem where the reader can understand what I'm writing about. It doesn't always happen. I mm-hmm. mean, poem like any poet, I often go off on flights of fancy that w- probably wouldn't mean anything. Or I'm writing about something so obscure, right? It actually did happen, right? But but uh, no one would know it except me. Right. right. So were the language poets then just self-referential a lot, or is that what was going no, not on? No, so, not, not, so not self-referential. They were ref- referring to language itself. And what it could not, could or couldn't do? Because I find that, I mean, because that to me is what it's about. They're talking about language, and language is a thing in the world that we try to communicate with all the time and we have frustrations yeah. with. So I'm curious as to what you're... I think it's... it's uh, relates in a way, although maybe they wouldn't say so, to, to post-impressionist painting. The idea that, uh, like Matisse was told once, uh, well, that painting doesn't look like a woman. He responded, it's not a woman, it's a painting. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that paintings are made of paint. Right. And so the idea of language poetry was that language poetry is made of language. Right. Not of reference or uh, to, to uh, okay. events or anything like so that. So it could be letters on a page oh, or some, that's, words yeah, that's, that's on a page, like, but yeah. not necessarily Yeah, the, the, ones, the ones that are made of letters and, and, and shapes, that's more concrete poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, 
does this also inform that you, does that approach, do you think, come partially from the fact that um, you were known as one of the first openly gay poets and is that, and so that you were writing into existence in some way, something that hadn't been on the page before? It's interesting. Uh, the, at the very beginning of this, uh, the introduction that Sharon Thiessen wrote about, uh, about me, she mentions that I'm a gay poet. And uh, yeah, I'm gay, but I don't identify as gay. Oh, that's interesting. Can you, can you say what the difference is <laughs> well, between those two things? Uh, uh, briefly, two reasons. One is I don't identify as anything. I'm one of my mentors, a, 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 a history, histor- German historian who, who taught with me in t- when I was teaching in Terrace, uh, who's, n- who's now passed on, said this, I know who I am, not what I am. Right. Right. And the other thing is that, yeah. that the, what gay means, I was, involved, I was involved in gay liberation in the early 70s, but what gay has come to mean now has changed radically. Yes, it has. Yeah. Uh, and the, it's, it's, it's a kind of a paradox because the current story on what it means to be gay is summed up by Lady Gaga as uh, born, li- born like this. Right. That that is the th- that that there is a supposed uh, g- uh, innate determination of sexuality, which I think is nonsense. Really? Yeah. But but not but even though I think it's nonsense and and bad genetics, it's still <laughs> been very effective in getting full recognition of full human rights for gay and lesbian right. people. So right. it's kind of a paradox. Yeah. Yeah. Because hmm. yeah. that's uh, we had when Jax McNamara, who was a guest on our show, maybe a month and a half mm-hmm. ago or so. A lot of the stuff they were talking about, they're they're trans or in that, and and believing that everything is in flux and in fluid, and it, it's more along the lines of who I am yeah. rather than than what I yeah. am. Yeah. That was a lot of their stuff, I think. Yeah, and when right. you when you focus on the what I am, then it's like other people can put labels on you that might might not be part of who you are That's as right. a yes. more complex person, yeah. mm-hmm. or they're a small part of who you are as a more yeah. complex. person. But at the same person. time, it would be absurd for me to deny that I was gay just because I don't agree with the term. Right. You know, mm-hmm. particularly uh, if you were involved with gay liberation. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> True. Yeah. And, and writing poems like beauty. Yeah. 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 That's. Right. A, I mean, I love that because it it just. Um, instead of it being about being gay, it's just written from that experience. Yeah, which right. is which is a difference that I sometimes hear in young poets, where they are writing identity poetry, where they're they're coming to terms of that what they are. But yeah. it's not just part of who they are. It's not just oh, I'm just writing this and I happen to be gay, and so it's going to be part of the poem. It's not. It's it's about that. Yeah. 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 So I think we may be coming to a, a transition time when. All of this emphasis on identity, which has been going on for the past twenty years or so, begins to fade away and begins to change. It's something like what you what you say that people know who they are. I hope so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's been a necessary period, but yeah. I really, yeah, I hope we become sort of richer than that yeah. in a way. Well, I'm, but there's still lots of places like Vancouver's. You know, uh, in comparison, is there's still got a lot, lot to lot to work through but it's fairly cosmopolitan and fairly open in talking about these things there's lots of places in north america and in the world where you know still establishing what you are and you know having safety in that is still happening you know it's oh absolutely true yes and uh, and 
in countries like uh, India, Uganda, Russia, it's absolutely it's, your, it's worth your life to yeah. to, yeah, yeah. to identify as gay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you you moved from San Francisco to Vancouver? Is that correct? Yes. Right. Um, were you from San Francisco, or did you move to the big city? And no, in I'm terms th- of what we're talking about, really? I'm a third generation San Francisco. Ah, okay. That means that two of my grandparents were born in the city. Mm. Wow. I say that because people sometimes tell me, oh, I, I, I've been, I used to live in San Francisco. I say, well, what district? They say something like, oh, Marin County or Fresno. No, that's not San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I moved here in 1971. Um, the reasons, well, my, both my parents died in the, late, in the late 60s. I had finished my MA, and San Francisco had changed in a way that like so many American cities were changing at that time. They were going through a, 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 about a decade of degradation in the mm. 1970s mm. And, and even the 80s. So I, I, the only place I knew people were, was Vancouver. I'd visited here five or six times, and so uh, I came here. And have you been here ever since? Did yeah. Did you pop back and forth? Oh, I go, I go back and forth, yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. Let's hear some more poetry. Our okay. guest today is George Stanley. You're listening to him on Wax Poetic on Cooperative Radio CFRO 100.5 FM. And uh, he's been reading from a couple of his books, but I think it looks like you're going to read another one from another your new from, book. Another from, one from, uh, from North of California Street. And and one of the things I try to do I have in my poetry, because I'm a kind of a post-Marxist, is to write poems that explain something about the way capitalism works. So this is called The Power of the Unhappy People. Hmm. The unhappy people have great power. They invest in the unhappiness of others. Hmm. Not generic unhappiness, the kind of unhappiness anyone could feel, but designer unhappiness, the exact shape of the hole in your heart. These are dreams without doors. Let the blonde demonstrator slip one around your feelings. As it goes on, it clings like shrink wrap. Now the birds can cry in the night and you won't hear them, or your ancestors, or jazz. The image of your death will dance for you with as many veils as you please. In your fog-colored room, in your Queen Anne chair, you may wish you were dead, but be glad of that wish since it sets you above the common sort inured to ordinary unhappiness. <laughs> and we, the investment community, will grin. Though like you, we cannot feel the sun or hear the rain or jazz. We will grin at the thought of you dreaming. More and more people must become rich and unhappy so the original unhappy people can die rich. Mm. Wow. That, I, you know, it's funny. It's, it's sort of, and thematically, it reminds me of some of R.C.'s uh, anti-Harper poems. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that idea of like the unhappiness and that there's a certain kind of, like the shape of the hole in, yeah. The shape of the hole in your heart. Yeah. yeah I was proud of that phrase. That's so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's hear another one. I want to hear okay, more. I want to um, hear more. <laughs> I want to read uh, one very short one. This refer this oh wrong book after this is an after desire okay uh, I want to read a couple more poems from after desire but first first this this very short one okay refers to an event that took place here about three years ago why do they riot <laughs> they're lonely their souls are lonely their selves 
are on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the essays about why the riots and there you nail it in. Why does that four lines? <laughs> yeah. And uh, what I'm what I'm referring to, and I don't, I'm I'm making a distinction between the self and the soul. Yeah. yeah. William Butler Yeats has a poem called "Dialogue Between Self and Soul," uh, but I wonder whether what what people think nowadays about the term soul. I think it's very a very important term. And I'm, you know, I use the term and I use it with meaning. I don't, I don't mean anything supernatural about it. No. Mm. What do you mean? Well, I guess um, it's kind of the answer answer to the question, "Who are you?" If I ask you, "Who are you?" you immediately know the answer, but you can't say it. Mm. It does. It's, it, it transcends language. Mm-hmm. And it's all. It also one could say more simplistically that it's simply the highest power of the human mind. Yeah. And do you think that equates to soul in yeah. this case? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Are those things that you have always thought, or is that something that you? No, it's all. It's new. No, my yeah. thought changes every every few years. <laughs> Does it? Are you right. being Are you being facetious? Or no, is I'm that not. Being, okay. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just no. checking. <laughs> right. Okay, I, I want to read one more poem from. Uh, after, after Desire, because you mentioned the quality of being ordinary. This is a poem that has a lot of the ordinary in it. It's called The Vacuum Cleaner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd almost finished the vacuuming when the on-off switch that had been wonky for months finally broke. I couldn't turn the machine off. <laughs> it was stuck on-on. So I finished vacuuming and unplugged it. Next week, I took it into the shop. A beautiful girl came out from in back. I handed her the vacuum cleaner, the power head, that is, the attachments I'd left at home. And as she inspected it, we began to talk in a friendly way about what I don't remember, but I recall feeling that I was not just a customer to her. Mm. The beauty of girls and boys pursues me wherever I'm going. Then I had to take my head in to the clinic. (laughs) I sat in the examining room waiting for the door to open. Then it did. The young doctor entered and said, I'm Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's fun. And, you know, uh, poetry is uh, mostly inspiration. Everybody talks about, every poet I'm sure talks about that in a different way. Mm Mm-hmm. But after the inspiration is down, you really sometimes have to work hard to get the, a line exactly right, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. And the line that I'm talking about here is, a beautiful girl came out from in back. Right. And that, that idiomatic phrase took me a long time <laughs> to get to, you know. For it to not lead somewhere else. For for it to for not to be for it not to be clumsy yeah came that's that's so idiomatic came yeah. out from in back yeah can you recall what some of the other words you were fighting with for that phrase oh no I can't right now but yeah. I know I, I I revise endlessly yeah right. yeah um, you were saying you're from San Francisco and this might yes. be an annoying question but do you, do you hang out with uh, Ferlinghetti and do some stuff at the City Lights bookstore and all that. Um, or is that just not your crowd? I know for I know I've know for Ferlinghetti, and I'm not. We're not friends, but mm-hmm. uh, but I used to ha- I used to hang out uh, on North Beach throughout the 1960s, mm-hmm. and uh, on and uh, yeah, I've been in City Lights many many times. Yeah. Uh, um, 
there were really, in a sense, there were two poetry groups of poets, kind of similar to the to the to the Acmeists and the Futurists in uh, Saint Petersburg in the 1910s. There were the Beats, mm -hmm. and then there was the group which, around Spicer and Duncan. Yeah. We didn't really have a name, but now sometimes it's referred to as the Spicer Circle. So I was more of one of the, of the Spicer Circle, okay. right. which was distinguished in a number of ways from the Beats. One was that our our leaders in, of Spicer, Duncan, and Blazer were all gay, whereas the other group, uh, Ginsburg, I guess, was the token gay yeah. in that group. The second way that was distinguished was that we were our our favorite uh, upper was or downer was alcohol, and the other group was more into dope at that Opiates, time, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And the other was that Spicer, yeah, Spicer, Duncan, and Blazer had taken courses from a man named Kantorowicz. I can't remember his first name, Professor Kantorowicz. And so they, in a sense, taught us what they had learned. And, and what we learned from them was Western culture. Whereas, again, for the Beats and, and their friends, they were much more interested in Asian culture. Mm -hmm. So those right. are the three things that distinguished us. And uh, it was, uh, like I say, kind of like the two groups in in St. Petersburg in the 1910s. And was there much overlap, or did you keep Not really, not really, no. Like? I mean, uh, personal friendships, yeah. Uh, uh, the, 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 the kind, kind of the, the, the marriage that, that brought the two groups together was Joanne Kiger and Gary Snyder. Okay. Yeah. Um, were you a poet uh, from younger, young on? Like, were you, did you always think of yourself as a poet, or were you writing all the time? Because um, you were talking about your juvenilia earlier on. I'm just yeah, curious well, I bec um, my high school, third year high school teacher, uh, English teacher, re required all of us to write uh, poetry. And uh, if we have time here, I can read the yeah, very, the very the brief the introduction to my long, long poem, San Francisco's Gone, which is a poem about my, my, my parents and about the city. But the, the dedication here is to that high school teacher. In, okay. And in memory of Edward Dermott Ned Doyle, who taught me poetry and gave me reasons to travel north of California Street. <laughs> and if you know San Francisco, uh, south, we rarely went north of California Street unless it was to a doctor's office. Right. Uh, I, I grew up in San Francisco was a city of parishes. Mm. I, uh, I didn't, and whereas north of, San, north of California Street is North Beach. Right. And then, of course, the, the, the irony, or the not the irony, but the extension of that idea is that I traveled a long way north of California Street right. till, till when I was writing that book, I was in Terrace, B.C. Right. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, and that's what good teachers do. They inspire you to go outside of wherever Absolutely. your boundaries yes. that you, right. or borders that right. you have had set and, for and, you. And, and, and uh, Mr. Doyle said at the end of the class, he said there were three of you who, who really can write poetry. But actually, there were only two, because <laughs> my friend Manuel was reading was writing John's poems for money. So, <laughs> 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 nice. Um, so your book is out, but it's is it a, but the reading's not happening for a bit. Is it available? It's available. People? Yes, it's 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 available through chapters. It's available at People's Co-op Bookstore on 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 the drive, and I think it's available through Amazon. And you might as well tell us uh, the again the name of it and the, the publisher. Name it, the name of it is North of California Street. And the publisher is New Star Books of Vancouver. 
Local. Great. And you got to select them with Rolf Maher. So that's nice that you got to select your own. Rolf and I have worked together on books for so long, sure. And uh, we, ha- we had hardly any disagreements. Oh, good. Uh, that's right. good. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, I like it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's, put it in the book. let's put this one in. All right. <laughs> uh, so we should uh, make a couple of quick announcements. You've yeah, got, um, uh, there's a Dead Poets reading this uh, Sunday at um, 3 o'clock at the Vancouver Public Library. Don Bailey is being read by Shannon Rain. Um, Hayden Carruth by Susan McRae. Celia Dropkin by Faith Jones. Uh, this name that I can never pronounce. Zbigniew Habert. Do you know how to pronounce that, Herbert? The oh, Z- yeah. Yeah, Zbigniew Herbert. Zbigniew Herbert. Oh, I got it pretty close. Zoe L- by Zoe Landell and Gertrude Stein by Kayla Zaga. That's who it, the dead poets are being read by the live poets at 3 o'clock on Sunday. At the downtown branch of the Vancouver Public Library. Uh, also, word on the streets coming up at the end of the month, the last Sunday of the month. Lots of cool stuff happening there, and it's free uh, all day long, hopefully weather permitting. Last year, the the rain and the wind and the, all that sort of stuff came around and canceled a lot, a lot of the outdoor events, but uh, it should be happening again this last Sunday. The Vancouver Fringe Festival is wrapping up this weekend. Uh, uh, Pam was talking about uh, before we got on air a couple of shows to mention uh, Steve Larkin from the UK is doing Tess which is an updated version of Tess of Doberville yeah. and it's at the uh, it's I don't know which venue it's at it, but it's uh, it's there at the Fringe at the Festival venue, uh, and Jem Rolls is venue. doing uh, a show as well and you can check that out he's a performance poet from the UK as well yeah lots of spoken word stuff and I saw Goose Feather last night at Toast Collective that was good as well and I'm going to go see For Body and Light um, uh, Ian Ferrier's show that we had he had we had him on last week. I'm going to see, see that this afternoon. Cool. Uh, all right. Thank you, George, for being our guest today. Yeah, thank you I very really much. enjoyed it. Yeah, me yeah. too. It was nice me to hear too. your stuff. I hadn't heard it before. It was really great. Glad to have you. Yeah, thank you. Um, and we don't have next week. I think we're just going to be doing uh, CDs and uh, talking about Zacchaeus Jackson because there's a new show uh, coming up dedi- with uh, dedications to him with friends and family and all that sort of stuff on the 19th. And so we'll talk about that more next week. But uh, coming up next, we have No Apologies Necessary. And until next week, I'm R.C. Weslowski. And I'm Pam Bentley. Thanks for listening. This has been, uh, what are we? Wags Poetic. (laughs) On Co-op Radio, 100.5 FM, CFRO. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO, 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what?